Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. You look at Pittsburgh right now in the GameTime app, Penn State basketball, WWE Live, and of course, Penguins games, Pitt basketball, the Steelers, all that stuff, all just a few taps away through the Game Time app. You can also get a panoramic view of where you'll be sitting at the game. Well, now Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with $10 in credit. Here's what to do. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, then under the Billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, T-H-E-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. You're listening to the Immaculate Podcast with Tim McMaster and Ed Bashet. It's the 2019 Steelers, so you knew it wouldn't be easy. Welcome into the Immaculate Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Ed Bouchette. A lot to get to on the podcast. We're going to break down the loss to the Bills on Sunday night at Heinz Field. Duck was not good. The defense was pretty good. But, Ed, let's start with the coaching staff because, to me, the game plan was bad. They dropped back 43 times. They ran it 15 times. There's a lot of different sayings, you know, dance with the girl that gets you to the dance, all those different things. But they've done it by controlling the ball and running it and not putting too much on Duck. And then suddenly they put everything on him. It just seemed like a bad game plan from the start. Yeah, it's like the coaches all of a sudden were fans who bought into this Duck mania thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was looking on the sideline to see if any of them were wearing duck hats or something, you know. Uh, it, it it was, it was you know, Mike Tomlin said two months ago he didn't kill us. That was his response to duck beating the uh, L.A. Chargers. And here they allowed him to do that uh, rather than protect him, run the ball. Uh, they dressed all five running backs. You know, James Conner and his comeback, and I can understand why they didn't run him a lot. Uh, had 5.3-yard average on uh, on eight carries. Uh, but they had some other running backs who had done well for them in previous games and just ignored it. And I'm not talking about, you know, when teams try and catch up, you have to throw the ball. And that's what they were doing in the fourth quarter after they fell behind, Tim. But when they were ahead 10-7, to seven, they came out. In the shotgun and started flinging the ball around, or at least trying to, because Duck was sacked on consecutive plays, and that ended that. Yeah, and it would it would be one thing if the Bills came in and had one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL, and you knew you weren't going to be with the ball on them. But really, they're a middle of the pack defense as far as stopping the run. I think they came in ranked fifteenth, and and the Steelers didn't even challenge that. Duck said after the game, you know, we thought we could throw it on them, and. Well, they couldn't. He made a lot of mistakes. Duck's job, you said it, he didn't kill us. That was the quotes from Mike Tomlin early in the season. Duck's main job with this team is to not make mistakes, play mistake-free football, four interceptions. It was it was kind of hard to watch, Ed, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, those last two interceptions, uh, you, you can forgive a little bit because yeah. they were in desperation mode and he was thrown in the end zone and uh, maybe ill-advised, but uh, it was early on and 
not just him. I mean, the Wildcat was once again terrible. I mean, they have had some success, but with Jalen Samuels back there. Connor, I think this was his first Wildcat snap. First of all, Marquise Pouncey dribbles it back to him. Right. Connor does a good job of picking it up, hands it off to uh, Deontay Johnson, and maybe the timing was off. I don't know. Johnson fumbles it, and there goes a great scoring opportunity. I don't have it in front of me. That was like the 10-yard line, I think. Buffalo's 10, somewhere around there. And uh, just a squandered opportunity there. And, um, you know, to come away with at least three, maybe that changes the whole thing. I don't know, but uh, it, it just, uh, that was a winnable game for the Steelers yet again. You know, they've had, well, they've played pretty much close ones all year, except for the opener. But yet again, one you could say, boy, what, that win that, that win was there and they, they fumbled it away. Yeah, and they literally had that one fumble. That was that was the fifth turnover in this game as they lose the turnover battle big time. Um, you mentioned Connor and and the eight, you know not a ton of carries for him, which is understandable. First game back, eight for forty two. Um, but his first carry of the game, he gives for 15 yards. And I was thinking, all right, here we go. Connor's back, and maybe they'll mix some other guys in to take the, the weight off of him. No one else had more than two carries, of course, because they only carried it 15 times in the game. Um, but that was the other thing was they had instant success in the running game in both the first and second half. Their both first runs of both halves were, were more than 10 yards at it, and it was – like they they used it almost as a decoy and and got away from it quickly and went back to the passing game and and it seemed like you know the passing didn't work in the first half the offense was was brutal under 100 yards in the first half but then there was no real change to me in the second half where they said okay let's reset and get back to to what we do well it was kind of more of the same thing in the second half yeah i will say one thing tim uh that first series of the second half hodges looked good throwing the ball I yeah, mean, that was he, the touchdown he, drive, right? Yes, he, he completed a big uh, 29-yarder to Deontay Johnson. He completed a nice third-down pass over the middle to Zach Gentry, the tight end. Um, and, and, and then through that little pass uh, uh, to, to, to James Conner, who really made the whole play go, beat a tackle, and ran it 11 yards into the end zone. Uh, that's the that's the play to put them ahead, but it was all downhill after that. After they had that lead, that's when they should have gone to the run. But maybe right. they looked at that. Maybe they looked at that drive and said, "Hey, this kid's okay. He's he's out of it. He can do this." And uh, I think they put too much on him after that. Yeah, I think so too. Now we mentioned the numbers: just two hundred two for him, a touchdown, four picks. The rating was forty three point nine, and because he is the undrafted um, signed emergency guy on this team, um, there'll probably be some whisper whispers here, Ed. That okay, maybe we should go back to Mason Rudolph now. Do you think is there any thought to that, or is Duck the man the rest of the season wherever this team goes? Oh, I'm sure they're thinking about it, Tim. Uh, they have to be thinking about it. You know, that was a terrible performance. But, you know, if they're going to go to Mason Rudolph, they can't go with the same game plan. You know, right. you have to protect these guys. These these are kids who have not played much at all. These This is really, well, Duck's a rookie, and, and Rudolph didn't play as a rookie. He didn't suit up for a game last year. So, you know, um, they were supposed to protect them, and they're not. And, uh, you know, the punter was supposed to be their friend, too, and he wasn't yesterday. Um, 
they only got in position once to to have Boswell kick a field goal, and uh, they got they have to do better than that. You know, the defense. I talked to some defensive guys, and they're all taking the blame. Oh, we had a lead. We should have stopped them. This, that, and the other thing. Well, that that's very uh, that's very very uh, big of them, but this was on the offense and. I can't emphasize it enough, the game plan for it. Yeah, and that defense is where I was going to go next because you look at the overall situation that they were put in, right? Five turnovers the other way that they had to cope with. And despite that, they only allow 17 points. Now, you're right. Some people will point to the fact that they gave up the touchdown late um, on a on a long pass. They get burned and... And that was, you know, but they shouldn't have been in that position. If the offense takes care of the football, they probably have a, a little more cushion there and it isn't a problem. But they, at the end of the day, the defense gives up 17 points. Um, they held Josh Allen, who after this game got a lot of praise for, for the throw that won the game. But Allen was 13 of 25. Um, the Bills putting less pressure on Allen than the Steelers were really putting on on Duck to perform, and he threw for 139 yards and a touchdown because the Bills were able to run the ball. 38 carries for 130 yards against the Steelers. Um, Singletary is pretty good, pretty good little running back for that Bills team. Um, but the defense, you said it, they they put it on themselves, but they played really well in this game. Maybe the one shortcoming is they weren't able to get to Allen. Yeah, I mean, 17 uh, points has uh, been their goal for a long time. You know, limit the, limit the opposition to 17 points, and they did that. And I asked Cam Hayward about that. I said, isn't that your goal? And he says, no, zero. <laughs> well, okay, okay, very, very, very gallant of you, Cam. But uh, if this doesn't happen in the NFL anymore, 17 is, uh, is a good place to start. And they did that uh, yesterday, and um, – Again, um, you know, they, they just, uh, that offense, it hasn't been a great offense. Those coaches know that. It's like they put a game plan together that Ben Roethlisberger was at quarterback and Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster were lining up at receiver, Tim. Yeah. Yeah, it was not, though. It was Deontay Johnson and, and James Washington. And to defend them a little bit, um, Johnson and Washington were actually pretty good as far as receiving goes. They really could have used Juju in this game, and and we thought he was going to be back earlier in the week, and then he tweaked the knee during the week, and and was ended up he was ruled out. So you just had the two receivers, and whoever when those guys are in there without Juju, Ed, they just lack that third receiver because there's just. Nobody else. Whoever they put in there to try to do that third receiver role and and help take the pressure off of. Johnson and Washington just doesn't seem to be able to step up and make plays. No, and they didn't have Vance McDonald either, you know, a tight end. Uh, not that he's been catching a lot of passes this year, but certainly he might have been able to help a little bit. And, uh, it, it, you know, uh, one thing about, let's say, about Deontay Johnson, he's got to start protecting football. He, yeah. lost, he, he had two fumbles yesterday, losing one on that stupid wildcat play. But he fumbled another one, and a teammate recovered. You know he's uh, he's he's been up and down this year, um, and he's a rookie, so you expect that. But he's got to learn to put that ball away. Yeah, he's a little flashy with it sometimes uh, in open field. But then you know you flashy with it in an open field, and then the defenders come and just protect the ball, just to be safe and and conservative with it. He's got to learn that for sure. Um, Washington made a couple nice plays, and and the last few weeks. 
it seems like we're seeing a little more consistency out of Washington. It's not just the one big play over the course of the game. He's making multiple plays in, in tough spots. Ed. That, it, to me, it's been encouraging, but you'd prefer Washington not to be one of those main two guys and maybe – you know, he's the guy that you can you can have as a speed threat and and the third receiver in some way if you have Juju Smith Schuster back. Yeah, you know they keep drafting receivers, and um, that's all they're fine good at and it. Dandy. <laughs> yeah, I mean they, Deontay Johnson, James Washington have been second round picks the last two years, and uh, Juju was a second rounder. Or I'm sorry, Deontay Johnson was a third rounder. They didn't have a second this year, but he was their first third rounder. Uh, and they didn't. They, they Juju was a second rounder two years ago, three years ago. He's in his third year anyway. Um, so they've been doing a good job of that. But um, you know, I don't know that they have the game breaking receiver on this team. You know, no, nobody's going to be the equal to Antonio Brown. But you know, in the past, you've had guys who could go deep, uh, Mike Wallace, uh, even Emmanuel Sanders uh, for a little bit, Martavis Bryant. Uh, I think they need to get a speed guy out there who can, uh, you know, who can break it deep. Yeah, somebody you can just send long. It seems like they have a lot of number two receivers, maybe not that yes. number one receiver. They thought Smith-Schuster could become that guy. Maybe he still does at some point. Obviously, he's battled the injuries all season, and plus he's had second and third string quarterbacks throwing it to him, so maybe we don't really know yet. Um, and, and we'll find out. Um, one thing we didn't touch on a lot here at so far – was the offensive line because that was a struggle too. That I mean, Duck was in some trouble in this one. Now, some of it I think was of his own making, um, holding on to the ball too long. One play that really stands out to me is right at the end of the game uh, when they're trying to get down for a game-tying touchdown in the final minute, and, and Duck took a sack. where you They were trying to do a double move, I think, on the outside, and he just held the ball too long, didn't feel the pressure, and that was a killer from a time standpoint as like 10, 15 seconds ran off before they could get the ball back and snapped again, and then eventually they threw the interception. But he didn't – there was a lot of times when he was pressured pretty quickly. Maybe he held the ball too long, but for, for an offensive line that had really seemed to hit its stride the last few weeks, um, I didn't think it was great on Sunday night. No, it wasn't, Tim. Um, and, and another time, I, 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 Duck, I think, stepped into some pass rush. Um, you know, Mason Rudolph was criticized for doing that a couple times. I saw Duck do it on a couple occasions anyway, Sunday night. You know, I looked up some stats. NFL, um, the football outsiders will do a good job of coming up with uh, some statistics. Uh, they have the Steelers' offensive line ranked. 26, now this is going into Sunday's game, 26th in run blocking and 7th in pass blocking. Now, I think some of that has to do with, uh, you know, teams uh, ganging up on the, you know, putting seven, eight men up on the line of scrimmage in the box, if you will, um, daring the Steelers to, to throw it. But um, nevertheless, you know, there's the cold hard facts, 26th in the run blocking not very good yeah and I think that's shown true a lot of the season now there's been times when they haven't really gone with the run and there's also been the situation I guess where other teams have really packed the box because um, of the quarterback situation for the Steelers and it seemed like that was the interesting last night thing last night it seemed like that is what the Bills did they really tried to shut down the run um, which is when 
you want to be able to take advantage of maybe some quick throws, and, and Duck wasn't. So it was like a perfect formula for disaster for the Steelers to to not have enough time to throw, not be able to get the running game going, and then and then the mistakes, and it, it just turns out ugly. Um, on the defensive side of things, we, we talked about the points, and, and they did force a couple turnovers too. It was just you lose that battle 5-2, to two, it's, it's not going to be great. Um, what about the guys that have been getting pressure on the quarterback all season? Watts still had a half sack, but it didn't seem like they were bringing the same type of pressure um, that they have been the last month or two, and the Bills don't have a lights-out offensive line by any standpoint. No, but it was obvious their game plan was to get rid of the ball quickly, I thought, mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday. Yeah, Allen didn't hang um, on to it at all. No, and uh, as you mentioned, they didn't try a lot of passes, 25 passes. Um, what he, he was sacked, what, one time. Um, not, not the norm for this team, but again, uh, I think with the way they were running the ball and trying the quick passes, um, you know that uh, that that combination limited the Steelers to 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 getting any pressure on them. Yeah, it certainly did. Now, the, one interesting the the timing of how this game went bad, Ed, um, from the the late game was, um, of course, Renegade is is what it is in Pittsburgh, and it's become that rallying <laughs> cry and the song they play. And you know, on the Sunday night broadcast, they come back and they show a little bit of the crowd going crazy um, after the playing of Renegade. And then the Bills go right down the field and score, and then the Steelers have a quick three and out. Has that song, Ed, lost its uh, luster here in week 15? It's funny, Tim, uh, because I was thinking about that uh, before we started our podcast today. I think it's time to get rid of Renegade. I think it's run its course. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers for years had uh, – uh, God Bless America by Kate, and I'm trying to remember her last name. I can't, the singer, she's since died, and they played a recording over and over. But guess what? The Flyers haven't won a Stanley Cup since the 70s, the mid-70s. They keep playing that thing. I think maybe it's time to retire Renegade for what it was. Um, maybe they can have an official burial <laughs> and come up with something else. It, it, it just... Uh, you know, I, I I don't I don't know what purpose it serves, but it's also not that big a deal, I guess. Yeah, it's Kate Smith, of course, with the Flyers. Kate they played Smith. a Yankees game, and there was con- there was that controversy uh, this last summer. We won't get into it, but her, um, you know, it was a big mess about it, and the Yankees actually, I believe, stopped playing it. But yeah, there's that. There's different teams have these, and then you know, um, thinking Fenway Park, uh, they play Sweet Caroline in the eighth inning of Red Sox games. And it Doesn't everybody big, play that now? Well, now, but it, I think it kind of started there. Even, even the Pitt football team plays it. <laughs> and the, the crowd sings Doesn't along. Doesn't do much for them. Right, and these things run their courses, and then you wonder. Now, we're probably going to get some some nasty tweets for even suggesting such a thing, Ed, but, uh, but sometimes That's these okay. songs run their courses, and it's time to pull them. So, Ed, you vote for getting rid of Renegade. Oh, yeah. All right, it's on. I, I it's felt, on. But it wasn't just after la- uh, Sunday's game. It was uh, – I felt that way for a while. You know, it's. It, I think it's run its course. All right, sounds good to me. Um, a couple other things from the game. One is Big Ben letting himself go a little bit. On the sidelines, they showed him. I guess he hasn't shaved in a long time, and he says he won't shave – until we're trying to bring up the lighter side of the Steelers here after a, after a tough loss. He says he won't shave until he can throw again, which is months away. 
Ed, did you see have you, did you see him in person the last couple of weeks? Did you see him at all last night at the game? Yeah, Other I saw him TV? in the locker room. He was in the locker room a little bit afterward. In fact, uh, somebody went up to shake his hand and did it with his left hand, so that right arm is still not comfortable enough to, no, I guess, unless it was just precautionary. But anyway, yeah, I saw him. I mean, I think it's an ugly beard. <laughs> I'm not going to pull any punches there, but, uh, you know, maybe he and uh, – Brett Kiesel can have a sheer the beard uh, competition this year. Yeah, the ugliest beard. What can we do? I, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick's in the running for that as well. The uh, the Dolphins quarterback. Uh, that thing is pretty hideous, and he's actually playing football right now. All right, so let's talk about where the Steelers find themselves now because they lose the game. They had a chance, obviously, with the win. They could jump over the Bills in the standings, have the inside shot on that first wild card spot, that number five seed, which likely would have meant not having to travel to Kansas City in the first round of the playoffs. Um, that's all but out now. Now they can only get the sixth seed. That's the bad news. The good news is they do control their own destiny. If they go out and win these next two games, um, they will, in fact, be in the postseason. Um those games include a trip to New York to take on the Jets, and then, of course, that game against the Ravens, um, in which continue to, to wonder if, if Lamar Jackson will play in that game, depending on the Ravens scenario. But I guess if you had said to the Steelers two months ago, three months ago, when, when Roethlisberger got hurt, when they were 1-4, all right, through 14 games, you're going to be in a situation where you just have to win your last two and you're in the postseason – think they would have been overwhelmingly thrilled with that scenario. So that's still where the Steelers are. Yeah, Tim, I think uh, a win against the Jets might do it. Uh, give them nine wins. They have tiebreaker advantages over a lot of teams. And, um, you know, uh, I, I think that could do it at nine and seven. You know, they still could get in it by losing the next two games, depending right. on what other teams do. But you don't want to, you don't want to go there. I, I, the, Next week's game to me is the biggest one because I I do believe if they win that, that'll put them in the playoffs. Uh, you know, Sunday win might have done it as well, but that's gone. Uh, if they can stop Le'Veon Bell, most other defenses have this year, um, and and beat the Jets, um, I think they're going to the playoffs. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell week is going to be interesting. So the 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 main team that's right there with them is the Titans. The Titans are playing the Texans and the Saints. So that's a certainly a tough road to hold for the uh, for Tennessee on the road. Yeah, so that's that's Hopefully. tough. Um, the Saints play Monday night tonight. So so we'll see where they're in um, coming out of that one to face the Titans. But when you um, when you think about this week and how big a hype do you think it's going to be? Is the machine going to be uh, in overload here with Levy and Bell? At least it, I guess the fact that it's in New York tweaks it a little bit rather than if it was in Pittsburgh, but it's still going to be St the Steelers versus Levy and Bell. Are you ready to write some stories or are you going to avoid that? I've already put in my budget and that's one of them on the budget, Tim. <laughs> Levy on Bell, the Steelers play him again or play him for the first time. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be a big deal in New York, too, because uh, what the heck else do they have going on in New York? But to write about that, you know, Bell uh, maybe not going bowling this time. He'll probably try and actually play. 
Yeah, and it's interesting. He's for the most part, he's been really a, a model citizen, good leader for the Jets so far. They had he did have the the bowling incident. Um, if if people in Pittsburgh hadn't heard about that, um, he was ruled out of a game two weeks ago with the flu and took his family bowling Saturday night before the game when the rest of the team was hunkered down in the hotel getting ready for the uh, the game. That kind of blew over pretty quickly, and for the most part, he's. Um, He's kind of walked the line pretty well through a tough Jets season, um, but I wonder with with all the questions he's going to face this week, do you think that he opens up at all, or do you think that he just kind of says the the cliches, throws out the cliches, and and tries to get this week over with? You know, I found Le'Veon's not one to pull a lot of punches, Tim. That he will say what's on his mind. That's how he has been. Uh, when he was here, um, and I, 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 but I don't know. I don't know uh, what he's going to do this week. But uh, you know, he may have been walking a fine line there in New York, but he hasn't been running behind a good one. <laughs> and uh, you know, he he is uh, he's not the same Le'Veon Bell uh, that we saw here in Pittsburgh. But you know, maybe he'll have something extra in the tank for the Steelers next week. Yeah, the line is, has been really been tough on him because the, just the way he runs, the, the Jets need a running back who's just going to take the ball and run as quick as possible to find something. Le'Veon likes to dance and find the hole and then dart, and that hole never really forms for the Jets. So it's certainly going to be interesting, and you want to take care of business against the Jets in New York this week so you don't have to worry about Baltimore in Week 17. Uh, we will preview the Jets game coming up, obviously, probably much more on Levy and Bell. We'll, we'll see what he says during the week. We'll preview that later this week with Mark Caboli here on the podcast. If you want to hear more about that Sunday night game with the Bills, check out the Buffalo Beat podcast right here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Matt Fairburn and Joe Biscaglia do a great job every week talking about the Bills, and they'll have a little different perspective uh, on that game on Sunday night and what went right and what went wrong for each team. Uh, follow Ed on Twitter, Ed Bouchette. Uh, And thanks to Marissa Morris as well, our great producer here on the Immaculate Podcast. We'll talk to you again later this week. 